welcome to the SBK Betting Podcast, Royal Ascot Day 4 edition. Tom Collins here and I'm joined as ever by Ross Miller. Now we're over the halfway point of Royal Ascot. How have you fared so far? It's been difficult, hasn't it? Day one was a bit of a split between favourites, fancied horses and non-fancied horses. But Wednesday and Thursday have been somewhat of a blowout. But there's still 14 races to go, seven of which uh, are coming up on Friday. And we're going to preview a couple of them now and provide our best bets as per usual throughout this series. Before we get into that, though, why not place your bets with SBK on Friday? New and existing customers can place a £10 horse racing multiple and get £5 free bet for Ascot. All you need to do is opt in to qualify, as you can see on the screen right now. It's a great offer and should not be ignored. Right. Let's do a quick recap then of Thursday's racing. We'll start with the Ascot Gold Cup, which was won by Courage Monami and Frankie Latore. That huge victory that he's been looking for in what is penned down to be his final ever Royal Ascot as a jockey. It wasn't the best edition of the race going in on paper. Coltrane was a solid option. He finished second. So the form stacks up somewhat. Our selection though, Ross, subjectivist back in third. What did you make of the Ascot Gold Cup? It was exciting. Um, plenty still there turning in. Um, Frankie for the last number of years has been desperate to come down that, that far side rail and, and weave his way through. And, and this time he had, he had the luck, the gaps opened, um, looked like a really good winner to me and, and, you know, stayed very, very powerfully to the line. Um, Joe Fanning has been having a brilliant season. I've only watched it, watched it once, but I just wonder whether when he watched it back, whether he would wish he'd pushed on a little bit, sort of coming down into Swinney bottom and that long climb for home and stretch the field a bit more because to me it looked like subjectivist was coming back again at the at the line you know looked like it was going to finish fourth eventually finished third um so a bit of each way money back which uh the way this week has gone is, is not to be sniffed at but um yeah an ex- exciting race i don't think uh the uh, Coolmore uh, camp will have anything that's particularly worrying them uh, for next year. Yeah, very. I'm very similar to you in this regard. Any return is good at this point, and the each round subjectivist was good. I think he'll get closer to them if he was ridden more aggressively. We knew he stayed the trip well, but it was just a bit uh, like subjectivist got outpaced coming around the home bend when Lone Eagle came alongside. Maybe he'd have been just a length or two behind. I still think he'd have probably been third. Good run by Coltrane. We should touch on that. Uh, but the winner, only fourth career start, must be a good stayer. Next year, we'll get Courage Monami and Kiprios, fingers crossed, and it'll be a proper battle if Courage Monami actually progresses from what we saw on Thursday. I also want to briefly mention a couple of other races, Ross, and we'll start with the Norfolk. It was billed as a match. You had elite status for Carl Burke, this horse that had already produced an RPR of 108 in the national stakes and was excellently impressive that day with a two from two record. You had American Rascal coming over for Wesley Ward, the son of Lady Aurelia, the horse with the pedigree and the debut performance that wowed everyone. It was a match until 150 to one shot. Absolutely shocked the nation. What happened? Where did Valiant Force come from? Well, do you know when you look at it, the form is there. Non-stayer over six furlongs, having showed plenty of pace. So, I mean, it wasn't wasn't the stupidest uh, 150 to one poke if, if, if you found it. Um, but they're all easy to find in in, in hindsight, aren't they? Um, I was a bit disappointed with elite status. He just looked to lack lack that speed to lay up early. I mean, it, it was going to be a magical run if he if he did get home because Clifford Lee was hard at him from from some way out. Um, whether he wants whether he wants six furlongs, whether he didn't enjoy the sort of bunching field in front of him. You know, he, he was positioned on the outside at Sandown. So whether that's something to do with it, I'm not sure. But Havana uh, Grace tend to be very stoic and, and easy-minded horses. So um, I think it's always a, a case with this that you can sort of say, oh, 151 shot, throw the form in the bin. But I'd be 
cautiously uh, optimistic that the form will, will hold up. I think elite status will obviously step up in trip. Um, and, and Wesley Ward's horses, for whatever reason, just are not firing the juveniles when they when they come over to these shores. Now, whether that's that, you know, UK and European trainers are catching up and, and buying a more precocious horse, I, I don't know. But um, he's definitely not to be feared like he once was. Yeah, Wesley's having a really torrid time this week and has done in the last couple of years, ever since Campanelle and Lady Aurelius were dominating on uh, the Ascot turf. American Rascal didn't break very well, which was surprising. Then it was bumped a couple of times. And if you were in the US and reading US form comments, you'd see bumped break. Uh, and they would use that as an excuse, but he was done early. He was on the worst part of the, part of the track, but that really didn't lead to him losing by 30-odd lengths. You know, I think it was a pretty poor display. Uh, I thought Elite Status ran okay, as you touched on there. Again, uh, the weird thing about this race for me was that the jockeys didn't come down the center. The going stick was 7.4 far side, 7.5 near side, 7.7 center. The higher the number, the quicker the ground, yet the jockeys went far side and near side and left the center alone. The, the jockey closest towards the centre was Ross Ryan, who was on the eventual winner. Don't know if that had an effect. Probably not. Uh, but the winner was good in the end. And, you know, you, you touched on that. Ammo racing two-year-old as well. Probably gettable, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, Ammo racing, on, on, certainly on my social media, divide opinion. Um, they put a lot into the game. They, they put their stall against two-year-olds. Um, to have a two-year-old win at Royal Ascot will... Um, please them no end. And, and I, I'm not disappointed to see it, I have to say. Yeah, you could see a lot, a lot of emotion uh, in the uh, winner's enclosure afterwards. It was a good success. And, and another for Ross Ryan has just had a really good week. Uh, onto the Ribblesdale now, and we'll talk about the, the winner, which was Warm Heart for Ryan Moore and Aidan O'Brien. Yet another winner for that super powerful combination. Ryan Moore's just next level at Ascot. No jockey can live with him. Uh, and Aidan O'Brien, we, we just know all about him. He churns out horse after horse. They seem to have so many top, top-class uh, performers in their yard um, that when they get winners, even at big prices, it's not really much of a surprise. The one surprise was that Alice Sifa, who everyone thought was going to be the next coming, was disappointing in the race and she didn't really feature in the finish. However, she was four or five wide throughout. I don't think Jim Crowley gave her the best ride. And she was hanging like a gate in the final furlong, wasn't she, Ross? Yeah, um, I'm always a bit sort of cautious on the flat. I, I think sometimes against inferior opposition, good horses can look very, very good because uh, they can just travel so much better than that inferior opposition. And, and of course, up in grade, um, she was perhaps found out. She, yes, she was posted wide, but I think wide. I think it was still reasonable to have expected her to slightly finish off her race better than she than she did. Uh, Warm Heart was a good winner. Um, I don't think one of their sort of leading fillies, but but still did a very good job. And and of course the Galileo filly, which is going to be a, a, a thing of scarceness now as we as we get into later years, um, she will have uh, pride of place in the in the broodmare paddocks at some point, no doubt. Yeah, of course she will. Um, right, perfect segue then to move on to uh, Friday's racing. Now this could. Fingers crossed. I know you've all got your fingers crossed out there. Be the day for favorite backers or short price backers because there are several on this card, um, including in the coronation stakes. Tahir is likely to go off a very short price favorite. King of Steel is around even money for the King Edward VII stakes as well. And Little Big Bear is about 11 to 10 even money in the Commonwealth Cup. Let's preview the latter uh, event then, Ross. Little Big Bear bounced back from his 2,000 guineas disappointment, in inverted commas. There were excuses that day with an easy uh, victory in the Sandy Lane at Haydock last time according to the handicapper he's 10 pounds plus better than any other horse in this race can he lose yeah of course he can of course he can lose um we've seen all week that that, that draw um 
can affect things and and as things stand if you know depending what they do with the watering can tonight um he's he's drawn on against the far side rail so ryan moore if he chooses to is going to have to move across to the middle to find what was the faster ground today but it could be different different tomorrow um but i think if he gives his running uh, he wins this in this fresh air in in second i really do i think he's an absolutely gorgeous horse um i'm probably uh, banging a lone drum now i i still not convinced he doesn't stay uh certainly further than than this um struck into in the guineas you just can't draw anything from that whatsoever but the bottom line is he, he had loads of pace in the sandy lane i'm not sure he was particularly assisted by frankie tory in the closing stages i know people made a lot of the fact that you know he he had the favored uh stand side rail there at haydock when there was a huge bias if you were drawn away from that you had absolutely no chance whatsoever but he did drift away from there as you know, Frankie was sort of easing up and and looking round. Um, and I think you have to put a huge amount of weight on the fact that after the guineas, he's going to have undoubtedly missed work. You know, struck into as an injury, it's going to require cleaning up. You're not going to be able to work the horse, so he's going to have lost something uh, in terms of work. And all winter, if they've been aiming for the guineas, they're going to have been teaching this strong, powerful travelling uh, colt to settle and relax. And then when that went. Uh, down the wayside they've then had to pick him up and ask him to use that stride again and, and travel more keenly and travel more zest that's not an easy thing to do in a fairly quick turnaround they've had another few weeks since the sandy lane to to keep pushing him forward i think you're going to see an even better horse um, i expect him to win this and win it comfortably i do just think there is one in the field that's overpriced and that's mischief magic now i mentioned him on the preview podcast and we discussed who might ride him didn't in my wildest dreams think William Buick would be riding him. Noble, noble style uh, is, is half the price. Um, possibly got half the brain of, of Mischief Magic. Noble style just looks absolutely crackers. Um, and I can see why William Buick perhaps wouldn't wouldn't fancy him. But you can put a line through Mischief Magic's run over this course and distance uh, earlier in the season. The ground was described as good, but it was riding slower than good. He needs good to firm ground. Now, providing the rain stays away and none of those intermittent showers hit, I think the ground has been riding quick second part of this week um, he's a really fast horse what he did in the breeders cup juvenile turf was impressive over five and a half furlongs now that is not the same test as this but he's got bags and bags of speed um, and i think he might be the one that gets closest to little big bear yeah it's a big shout around 25 28 to 1 right now i think sakir will probably finish second very unoriginal but he ran a good commonwealth cup trial uh in the 2000 guineas where he just didn't appear to stay that day uh, i'm very much with you though little big bear is definitely the horse to beat he's got a very similar chance in my opinion to voban on day one voban i thought had 14 pounds in hand probably a lot more in hindsight uh, and little big bear's got 10 pounds in hand and should have conditions to suit he's already won at royal ascot as well don't forget course form here is a big uh, big key so little big bear i know he's a short price but he probably deserves to be um friday also features the albany the duke of edinburgh stakes the sandringham and the palace of holyrood house ross without giving away your two best bets do you want to mention anything else on the undercard i had a look at the palace of holyrood house and i, I looked through it gave myself a headache and, and quickly turned turned the page but i do have two that i like at big prices and they're largely due to the fact that i just want to take on the favourites in the race. Uh, the 420, the Coronation Streaks, uh, Coronation Stakes, Coronation Streets, Coronation Stakes. Uh, Tahira is is a short price favourite. She is the best filly in this field, but I have a niggling doubt as to whether she wants this ground this quick. Um, and at four to seven on, I just can, can take her on. Uh, Mama's Girl ran no sort of race in the Guineas, but she was on soft ground. 
I thought she was really impressive in the Nell Gwyn before. I wasn't one of these ones that felt it had fallen into lap. I thought she showed a really good turn of foot. Um, I expect her to be ridden cold. I expect her to like this better ground. And at around about 28 to 1 with SPK, uh, I could have a few pound on her just to take on a, a favourite that I admit is the best horse. I understand she's the best horse, but I'm just not sure she's going to show herself on on this better ground. And then the same thing really in the 535, the King Edward VII stakes, uh, King of Steel ran a mighty race in the derby, but that was his first start for a very, very long time. And I just wonder whether he might suffer from the bounce factor here. Um, this does look a penalty kick, but it also looks like it's been a little bit of an afterthought. And I'm always keen to take on short price favorites when that's the case. Uh, Dubai Mile was my was one of my selections in the in the derby. I'm not sure he really handled the track. I think he got bustled up a little bit as well and, and perhaps didn't enjoy himself all that much. I'm convinced this is his trip on a more regular track. I'm prepared to give him one more chance on this on this good ground. Um, and again, a, a big double-figure price. I'm prepared to take on King of Steel. If the results go the same way as they went on Wednesday and Thursday, then you want to be looking at Ross's selections. Big prices there. Might be able to get a nice return. I'm going to give a shout-out to a couple of horses in the Duke of Edinburgh Stakes, the 340 uh, on Friday. It looks a nice betting heat, wide open market, um, where there's plenty of value. So you should, should be able to take a couple of darts at it. The first for me is Okita Sushi, who might actually be favourite by the time you're watching this. He was 8-1 to one this morning, uh, Thursday morning. It was 6-1 to one at the time of recording, third fav, but there's only a point separating him and the top two in the market now. Um, he finished a staying on third in the Copper Horse Handicap at this meeting last year when he was a very inexperienced horse. Since then, he's won twice in the interim, both at Dundalk in conditions races. And he ran okay last time in the Savile Beg when he finished fifth, but he traveled nicely and just got outpaced at a crucial stage off a layoff. Yet he's somehow able to race off three pound lower than 12 months ago. I don't understand how the handicappers allowed him to uh, have that lenient kind of mark, but he's going to be hitting the line very powerfully over this trip. And Ryan Moore, very interestingly, takes the mount for Joseph O'Brien. You don't see that combination all too much. And the other in the same race is a loyalty bet. Uh, really, which is Max Mayhem. I don't think the ground's ideal for him. I'm going to put that out there straight away. But he's 33 to 1. I watched him at Kempton two starts back when I was at the track, and I thought he was very impressive, beating HMS President, who's won at Newmarket since. Benoit Delassayette couldn't put him up afterwards, suggesting there was plenty left in the tank. Put a line through the Epsom run, didn't like the track one bit. And as I say, the ground, again, might be an issue here. But it's more of a galloping stiff track, which would definitely suit Max Mayhem. And he could run okay at 33 to 1. But Akita Sushi is definitely my number one in that race. Right then, Napa next best time, Ross. Take it away. Well, the, the, the Nap, you're going to struggle to guess this one. It's, it's Little Big Bear. Um, I think he's one of the standout bets of the week. Um, I'll be very disappointed if he doesn't land the Commonwealth Cup. And then the next best comes in the Albany. Um, before she made her debut at uh, Newmarket, Trainer George Bowie said that uh, Soprano was his best two-year-old. Uh, he's a, 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 a sort of not a trainer, not shy of, of talking about his horses, but he tends to let them do their racing first and, and talk about them second. So I thought that was quite quite striking. She didn't let him down. She won very impressively over five furlongs at uh, Newmarket under William Buick. Travelled really nicely, relaxed beautifully, which I think is important for these fillies over the six furlong trip at Ascot. And then showed stacks of speed just to scoot away under hands and heels. He didn't have to get serious with it whatsoever. Clearly been the plan to come straight here. Uh, it's a hot look in Albany. 
Um, but I think she'll take uh, plenty of beating. So she's the next best. Little Big Bear, 11 to 10. Soprano, 9 to 2. Um, my nap's also going to be Little Big Bear. We're, we're singing from the same uh, hymn sheet again, Ross. Um, but Little Big, Little Big Bear is just the best three-year-old sprinter in the country, in UK, in Ireland, probably everywhere apart from Australia and uh, the US. And you could probably put it up to those as well. I think you'll win the Commonwealth Cup very easily. My next best is going to be Conquistador in the Palace of Holyrood House Stakes. I know you said you were scratching your head when you looked at it earlier, but I'm hopeful that that George Bowie's going to have a big day. Um, this three-year-old snuck in the bottom of the handicap off a mark of 86. I was actually at uh, George's yard on Tuesday when the weights were announced whether Conquistador was going to go up or not. And he came back and gave a, a little subtle fist pump uh, that he was left on the same mark. Nevertheless, he's only just got in by one spot um, off a mark of 86. He gave £10 and a beating to a horse called Radio Goo Goo on his first start for Bowie after he picked him up from the horse in training sale for 36000 Radio Goo Goo's won five subsequent races from six starts and reopposes on much worse terms. There's no way he could beat Conquistador based on that. Um, and then Conquistador ran last time at Lingfield, beating a horse called Curdos, who was very highly regarded by Clive Cox early in his career. George Bowie's kept him fresh, ready for the turf. Both starts on all weather so far for the trainer. I think he's well handicapped and I like his middle draw. That's it then. Day four. We've only got two days left of Royal Ascot 2023. Hopefully Friday's a better punting day. Best of luck with all of your selections. But before we go, a reminder that SBK, new and existing customers, can get a £5 free bet if you place a £10 horse racing multiple you do need to opt in to qualify for that bet we'll be back for the final daily pod which we're filming on friday morning you'll be able to see that after racing on friday hopefully we get a successful day on friday and saturday until we see you for that pod good luck 